Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 1986, the limited series from the A Film By podcast, where we are examining all the movies of 1986 to ask the question, hopefully answer the question, is 1986 the best year for the 80s, uh, for, for movies? Uh, I am joined today with the princes of the universe. Uh, I've got Brad Kozo, Dayton Johnson, Scott Hoffman, and Andrew Blakely uh, all here to discuss... Highlander. For 500 years, they have waited for this day. Two immortals able to survive anything but each other. Highlander. Starring Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery. Featuring original songs by Queen. Highlander. There can be only one rated R. Now playing at a theater near you. All right, guys. Welcome to uh, welcome to another big, supersized episode. Uh, Andrew Blakely returning. Uh, have, it's been a while since he's been in the studio with us. How you doing, Andrew? Great. I've been missing being here. Absolutely. You have been missed, sir. You have been missed. <laughs> uh, Scott, um, on location from uh, where you're you're on the beach right now. Is that is that? Yeah, accurate? yeah. South Carolina, trying to start up my own. Um, moped business you know driving people up and down the strip from running scared just you know oh no scott uh one thing i i appreciate about you and i'm fascinated by you with is your ability no matter what the question is your ability to put a shameless plug on a prior episode <laughs> yes, as much that, as that you were involved in he's done I'd, it i'd be I'd be he, lying if I just said that climax wasn't on my head in my head on the beach, just like <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah, you you've uh, you've pulled back uh, Police Academy three. You just pulled back Running Scared. Uh, I guess your real challenge would be uh, trying to shoehorn critters in there somehow. So, wait for uh, it. Yeah, wait we'll, for it. Oh yeah, wait for it. Uh, I, I have yeah. faith we could do it. Yeah, uh, Brad Dayton, how you guys doing today? Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. Welcome to the gathering, everyone. Yeah, it, it, this is nice. the gathering. Uh, the immortals uh, meeting at the gathering. Uh, Highlander, uh, sci-fi, fantasy, 
maybe a little bit of horror. Uh, Dayton, where would you, where would you put this? Uh, you know, if you're putting this on the, if we're all back at Suncoast, uh, where are you putting this on the shelf? Are you putting this in the sci-fi area? Um, if there was a fantasy section, that's where I'd put it. Yeah. Um, fantasy? It's yeah. It's more fantasy than sci-fi. So let's talk uh, before we get too, too into it. Uh, public service announcement. Uh, I got, I got one that's kind of interesting. I did not know this until watching the movie recently and doing a little bit of research, but uh, as we all know, uh, this race of immortals, uh, they're locked in this eternal combat until there's only one left who uh, wins the ultimate prize. Now, when one combatant kills another uh, by removing the head, obviously with the sword, they, uh, you know, you, in the movie, you see uh, the, the wind, the, elect, the, the lightning, uh, the guy just gets supercharged. Uh, that's known as the quickening. Uh, yeah. And what happens in this moment, uh, the vanquished uh, combatant uh, basically transfers all their knowledge, all their experience into the one that just killed them, uh, called the quickening. Now, the quickening actually is a medical uh, term, medical phenomenon, uh, for those uh, of us that are not in the know. Um, when an expectant mother uh, who is uh, with child uh, I think it's uh, in between week 17 and 20, the first time the mother experiences the feeling of the baby inside her, um, you know, they call that the quickening. And it's uh, that special mm. bond, that's that special moment where, where mother and child uh, meet, for, for lack of a better, better term. So I, I thought that was really wow. cool. Um, I always wondered, like, why, why, why do they call it the quickening? And uh, I found that out in my, my research. So very cool. Absolutely. Uh, Anyone? Disgusting, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that has to do with cutting off immortal yeah. heads, but I'm sure there's a reason. Well, uh, you know, I'm not going that far into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so listen, uh, I know uh, 1986. We're all, we're all um, okay. Well, most of us are around 10 years old. Some of us are a little younger. Some of us are a little, older. a little older. Some of us yeah. a little older. One of us uh, not born yet. We were all young <laughs> men. We were yeah. young men. Yeah, Andrew was in production. I guess we could say that, <laughs> uh, young Mister Blakely. Uh, but uh, for those of us that were alive, uh, did uh, Brad, Dayton, Scott, any of you guys get a chance to see this in the theater? Was this something that Mom and Dad took us to? Not me. No, no. this was this was all cable and uh, video rental. Absolutely. Uh, it, it had one of those great big boxes. You couldn't miss it if you went to the video store. The the box was like like way too big for the actual video cassette, but it just like, it stood out and you were just always like, what is that? Cause the cover was just Christopher Lambert with the sword. And you were always just like, what is this? You, you had to find out. Cause it, it really just stuck out. I liked, I liked the big clamshell uh, box cover that had kind of, it wasn't Drew Struzan that did the art, but it was like, you know, what, you know, kind of like the artwork and uh, you know, kind of talk, kind of told you like his first battle was in Scotland in 15, hundred something his last battle will be in the streets of new york and i was like i have to rent this i have to have it. i have to have it you know uh scott first time seeing the movie you remember uh yeah well not specifically but i'm sure this was one of those where it was like um uh i was probably about 10 and um when we first got a vcr it was just like go and get like a ton of movies on a weekend just like an armful of movies and this would have been one of them. Um, and I remember just being glued to the, the TV the entire time. Dayton, first impression, first time you saw um, 
I, I would have probably seen it following year. Um, so my 16 year old self loved this movie um, because it had swords. It had um, some brief nudity. It had uh, some pretty decent action. It got heads flopping off. And, uh, you know, it was my 16 year old self really liked this movie. Well, let's so. not let's not forget, uh, Brad. Let's not forget all those things that Dayton just mentioned. You know, sword fights, uh, a little bit of nudity. Um, really, well, those cool are story. always a plus. It's always they're yeah. always a plus uh, <laughs> when you're a young man watching a movie. But Brad, uh, one thing, uh, let's talk about the music real quick. Oh, I mean, you you cannot. I don't think the movie would be as good without the soundtrack, and the right. fact yeah. that during this 80s period when you could get a big band to do one maybe the title song and that's it you know and have a good selling soundtrack they did the whole movie yeah. and it would because i think the original plan was just to do the one but i think right. once they got the one they're like we're not calling anyone else yeah what happened was yeah. uh I, I did read somewhere that as they started seeing scenes from the movie uh each one of the guys in the band had a specific scene they liked and specifically wrote a song for it yeah i love and, that and well, then absolutely. it was too bad we never really got because the songs that are featured in the movie are most compiled from the um, it's a kind of uh, a kind of magic album. Right. Besides like things like Hammer to Fall and stuff. But they supported that year, the giant Wembley Stadium tour. And it is like one of the best sounding tours that you can hear Queen on a live album. And it's, it's a shame we never got that full with Michael Kamen and Queen, like full Highlander soundtrack, on, you right. know, together because they just mix so well. Michael Kamen is great at working with rock and roll players. He works great with Metallica. He works great with uh, Eric Clapton in the Lethal Weapon series. So, I mean, he's got a he had a great reputation for working with uh, rock stars. Excellent. Well, and I mean, interesting when I was uh, with all these Queen songs, and I I knew that Russell Mulcahy was. Uh, really known for music videos at the time so i went back and looked yeah. he had never worked with queen up to this point right a lot of duran duran a lot of elton john i, I sifted through his whole uh, filmography and couldn't find one queen song so i was surprised that this relationship was so strong andrew is it true uh russell mulcahy he, he did the very first music video didn't he did he do a video kill the radio star was that is that accurate Ooh, uh that is quite possible i don't know i, I was i don't really i don't remember seeing that on his list i don't remember seeing well, that I'll, I'll tell you a video he did do that's kind of memorable and forgettable at the same time <laughs> the very first video version of def leopard's pour some sugar, pour some sugar, on, sugar me. on me yeah <laughs> where it's just it them terrible. in a house <laughs> yeah, it's just them in a house he did that that's the one we you we we love to forget because that that yeah. Yes. sucked yeah it was terrible <laughs> which is why we got the concert one later yeah all right Andrew, well, in terms in terms of a first impression, like the very opening of it starts with narration from Sean Connery with this big epic kind of like description of the whole thing that's going on, and then it blasts right into Queen's Princes of the Universe. So there's no way at the beginning of this movie that you can't just be completely sucked into it, right? For sure. Andrew, uh, Scott brings up uh, the opening with Sean Connery. Um, how did you feel about his portrayal of an Egyptian from Spain? You know, it's interesting. When I was a kid, like even, I, I don't know how old I was when I first saw this, sort of maybe seven, eight, something like that. Uh, my dad had it on HBO. Um, and even then, I remember thinking how insanely stupid that was. But 
watching it back now, I'm actually more intrigued by this idea of he's a Scottish guy playing an Egyptian guy who's adopted the, the, the guise of a Spanish guy and fell in love with a Japanese girl. And I think it really just like they were playing with this idea that he's so old at this point, like rules go out the window. They don't even care anymore. <laughs> he's it's, just he's everywhere. He's from everywhere. Right. Yeah. He's, but he's I, something. It's irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. But I think that works well with him and Christopher Lambert because they don't look like a specific type. You know, they, right. they've been able to hide through the, you know, through the decades and, you know, years as other people, you know, so he could be Scottish or Irish or Egyptian or Spanish, you know, same as Christopher. You can't really pinpoint where he's from. Is he American? Is he French? Is he sweet? You know, it's, it's hard to tell. Like I said, where are you from? Lots of different places because places. Yeah. he's had to play so many types of people. So but I think the Connery thing works with that though. It's okay. impossible not to separate their accents, though. I mean, you're listening to a French guy try to do a Scottish accent while talking to Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. Highlights <laughs> the absurdity. Mean, honestly, he comes across sounding like Tommy Wiseau in the room instead of a Scottish person. <laughs> the fact is, I mean, it was his, aside from Greystoke, this is his first English speaking role. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, the whole movie, you're kind of like, you know, where is he from? And, and, yeah, I mean, I kind of, you kind of have to ignore it because he said, like he even said, I'm from a lot of different places, but yeah, it's, it, it's a little <laughs> bit more difficult to swallow now than it was when I was 16. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll say this before I, you know, cause I know, I know last time we got together, I, it almost sounded like I was picking on the movie a little bit. Uh, first and foremost, I love Highlander. Uh, I really don't care about the rest of the movie franchise or the TV show or any of that stuff. The, the movie <sighs> The very first movie, I know it was supposed to be like a one and done type situation. I think it plays better that way. So I love the movie, but there's some stuff in the movie that just doesn't work. And I don't know. I, I, so if I'm picking on it, I'm, I'm picking on it. But uh, just just so you guys understand, I'm not anti-Highlander. I'm, I'm very pro-Highlander. I, I'm surprised to hear you say that. I was actually a little bit anti-Highlander coming into this most recent viewing. And I, I think I flip-flopped because it's every bit of absurdity and i mean i've got a laundry list here of all, all the absurd things i watched they work because like a music video he did it because it looked cool it doesn't matter that the sword just exploded the wall it looked cool yeah it, right. it's irrelevant yeah. don't think about it too hard it's cool 10 year old jeff loves this movie adult jeff uh he, he picks on certain aspects of it like right from the get-go uh he uh, he gets you know he kills he kills uh one of the other immortals in the parking lot of uh, or the uh, parking garage. Ezeal, Ezeal, thank you, Brad. He kills this guy. Cops pick him up. Look, I'm not I'm not working with the the police. Uh, I know some of you. I know Brad, Scott. You guys have family members that are with the police. We've seen the cliched good cop bad cop, you know, questioning a suspect a hundred thousand times. But at what point do you bring in the beat cop who was on scene to 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 be the bad guy? Because I don't get uh, what is that it? Officer Garfield. Our, yes. op, yeah, uh, Patrolman Garfield. Yes. O- Officer Garfield um, needs some anger management classes. I just um, yeah. get it. Like, you know, I mean, as a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, they're the cops. But as an adult, I'm like, that's stupid. They went with the classic interrogation technique of good cop, incompetent cop. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, but but Garfield does lead us to one of the best lines in the movie when he asks him that question: "Are you a?" <clears throat> yeah. He goes, "Why, Garfield, you cruising for a piece of ass?" I yeah. love that line, man. It's yeah. just hilarious. Doesn't totally. really. Yeah, it doesn't play good in today's time, but man, <laughs> but it was so funny. Quick wit. Well, when you're several hundred years old, you're gonna have 
you've heard it all and you're going to have some. Yeah. So I do like that. Uh, maybe one of the best openings to an yeah. 80s movie ever, if not the best yes. of all time. We are live in Madison Square Garden uh, <laughs> at an AWA event. Right. Uh, watching the fabulous Freebirds take on uh, the Tonga Kid and, and company. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When, when, when exercise and physique did not matter in <laughs> right. wrestling. It Listen, did not matter. When my, Michael P.S. Hayes, that, that's Michael Purely Sexy Hayes. Uh, you didn't have to have a good physique. He, he had the hair. He had the flamboyance. Yeah, big hair, big cape, big yeah, hair, big a, cape. That's all you need. He had a he, lot of hair on his body. He was he well, he was Shawn Michaels before Shawn Michaels was Shawn right. Michaels. You right. know, I but love that shot, that opening shot, uh, is took forever to take, but that opening shot all the way to McLeod is just is such a brilliant opening shot. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're impressed with the movie right away. Right. It's and that's brilliant. where we got that, well, that's where we got Skycam now that they use, use in sporting events and football games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it. this is this is something the average twenty year old can do with, you know, a drone, basically. a drone that's out there right now. Yeah. You can do, you can create that kind of thing. This is this is eighty six. There, there was there were no such things, and that is such a gorgeous shot. You're absolutely right, Brad. I, I love yeah. the and opening it's shot. There. Far to get oh, straight yeah. to him, it is far. It never cuts. I mean, it's it's it took a had to have taken a lot of time. Scott, let's talk about let's talk some characters. Um, what, what do you know about the uh, the the woulda shoulda coulda like who who could have played uh, the Kurgan and uh, and Connor McLeod? Did you uh, that is, you, you you know anybody or I I, I don't know I, I kind of threw that. I can spot. tell you who was really close. Who was who, who was close, Brad? Uh, it was pretty much set that uh, our buddy from 1986, Kurt Russell, yep. was originally supposed to do it, but good old Goldie talked him out of it. Yep, and we got Big Trouble Ooh, in wow. China. Instead. Yeah, he did this other movie, Big Trouble yeah. in China. Okay, yes. so hold on. So you're telling me, it, so he he just does Escape from New York. It's he's 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 hot. They send him Highlander to play Con- Connor McLeod, and Goldie Hawn talks him out of it, and he decides to do Big Trouble in China. And Best of Times, don't forget. Yeah. And best of Times. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the Best of Times. Yeah, thank you. Can, thank you, Goldie you, Hawn. You, you get to do two movies that are fun. So let's let's all collect, let's let's chip in and send a nice uh, thank you basket to Goldie Hawn, right? Yep. Because yes, absolutely. Uh, I could imagine anyone else playing Jack Burton if he if right. he hadn't uh, oh, yeah. done this. Well, I guess well, at it, one point Sting was actually up for the part of Connor yeah. Cloud as well. Ooh, that would have been interesting. But, uh, and he and, was and, going wait, to do the music, right? Andrew, so Andrew, are you? I heard that. Ooh, is that? Are you pro Sting as Connor McLeod? Soundtrack. It would be interesting if nothing else. I think you need somebody who can chew scenery as well as Clancy Brown to to play alongside of him. And I don't know if Sting's got that, but it would have been interesting. I don't know if anyone else could have done the role the way Clancy Brown does did. (laughs) He's Uh, fantastic in this. I know. I know the producers. Their first choice was uh, Schwarzenegger. Which, yeah. uh, the, I mean, we already seen him do this. I mean, you know? I'm sure it came to him. Sword, Conan, you know, pretty yeah. easy. But he's yeah. You you put the you put a sword in the Terminator's hand. 
that's that's Kurgan for you know I mean well with a, a really terrible attitude towards humanity as well yeah. you know <laughs> but uh Andrew uh what do you what do you think uh anyone anyone better than Brown for this for this role you know, if, if you had asked me to cast this in 1986, his name wouldn't have entered my mind. But now that I've seen it, like his, his is the most iconic part to me. Everything, I would say the second half on, when he really, when he shaves his head and just starts going absolutely nuts, I can't imagine anybody overacting that with as much power as Clancy Brown did. It was, it was amazing. I, it's the thing that I still remember to this day from the first time I saw this. I couldn't tell you a single line from that movie, but I could tell you exactly when he was licking the priest's hand, how just <laughs> wonderfully whole, awful he was. The whole scene in the church was just spectacular, and especially his his very quotable line, um, you know, I've got something to say better to burn out than fade away, which of course yeah, is yeah. stolen from two other songs, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. He just delivered it so well. And and what makes it even funnier is after the scene was done and cut, he actually apologized to yeah. everybody in the church <laughs> for his behavior. It was great. And the thing is, when um when Ramirez is describing the Kurgan, you know, he, I feel like Clancy Brown, the way he portrays his character, you can see all that. You can definitely see all that. He's a terrifying, you know, he does look kind of bigger than life. He does look evil. And he just, yeah, he comes off as a very unstoppable type of force. Well, and his voice is one of the best oh, yeah. voices out there. I mean, he's, in, in my opinion, um, Second to Gene Hackman, the best Lex Luthor yeah. there has ever been in all of his voice work for the animated, you know, M the, the DCU kind of stuff. But uh, his voice, I don't think anybody else could do a better job with how he was delivering those lines in this movie. Mm -hmm. the, the joy that he brings to it as well you know it, yeah connor is displayed like portrayed as this depressed i'm just surviving through life and he has just embraced his immortality and enjoys it in such a scary way that i, I love it I, I can't picture schwarzenegger pulling that off no no uh, andrew you make a good point about about kurgan enjoying what he's been doing uh and it, it makes me ask this I, I have this question for you these guys meet on the battlefield for the first time, like 1536 or 46, something like that. And they have been, uh, you know, chasing after one each other throughout time. Now, in the time that we meet, we first meet Connor, uh, you know, with his uh, his clan in Scotland to, to current day in 86. He has obviously acquired uh, extensive wealth. You know, he's got what might be the most amazing apartment in New York City. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, complete with a hidden room with all kinds of awesome treasure from, from the history. Uh, meanwhile, the Kurgan is staying in the most shithole of shitholes. That is a uh, crack hotel. Yeah, he's in a, he is in a crack. <laughs> he is basically in a crack house. Uh, my question to you, how important is a good education and financial planning for the future in this situation? When you, when you match these two guys up, I mean, the what is the future? His future is either he's going to be dead or he's going to have the the gift. He's, I mean, he, he doesn't have a future. He doesn't need one. It's it's all or nothing for him. And I love that because yeah. that's he dresses so punk rock, and that was sort of a very punk rock attitude. Like f the system, burn it all down. I don't care. Yeah. I, I kind of get the sense. Uh, it's almost that you're implying, where uh, if you were an immortal, you're taking the you're taking the Kurgan's path, uh, and just partying all night, having a you know playing it to the to the taking it to the limit and you're you're staying in this flea bag motel uh 
Because you, you know the Kurgan's not going to get not a proud of it, but I think the answer is yes. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> like it would take me a few hundred years, but I'm going to get there eventually. Uh, is uh, what about the are the other three of you? Are you hanging out in the? Uh, are you hanging out with Andrew in the the Dirtbag Motel, or are you? Well, I would just to find out what it is on the um, hotel manager's face. There's just, I don't, there's um, got something on it's his, called, like, it's called herpes. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah. Is it herpes? I, uh, because I just want to ask him what, please put some ointment on it or go to the doctor. It's just, it's, I'm pretty sure that's what the implication was. I don't, yes. I don't have to be a medical doctor to, to see that guy's face and know I don't want to get anywhere near him. Yeah. How about the uh, choreography? Uh, were you guys impressed? Uh, I mean, we've seen, you know, we had seen some pretty awesome, we've seen some epic sword fights uh, in this, this decade. Um, how'd you guys feel about the, uh, the sword play with the, uh, the immortals? Dayton? Um, I will say that I enjoyed the sword fights. Um, I definitely don't think it qualifies uh, in the top five um, as far as even from the decade. Um, I, I mean, cause I, okay, look at this in the same, roughly the same time frame. you had what's I consider to be one of the best sword fights ever from princess you know the princess bride yes um, that's spectacular yeah yep. you know you had the you had the you know the fencing you had the foot you know you had you know the whole dialogue banter going on the entire time and this one was more about for the most part brute strength you know i mean there's there is some uh dexterity there is some uh, you know being clever but really uh with aside, aside from the the showdown in the garage and then the one at the very end most of the other ones are very over very quickly. They're not even, yeah. you know, it's just kind of like, and that's what one of the things that really bothered me the most about the other immortals with the exception of Ramirez, the other ones are just there to get killed. They really don't, you know, there, there's like no backstory. There's no real kind of, you know, Castigar shows up and they act like friends, but we don't know why or we, except for there's just nothing to it. So, I mean, I enjoyed the sword fights and because they were cool and like said, anytime somebody's head gets chopped off, it was kind of fun, but um I think there were, even though you had the guy that literally was Darth Vader's stunt double doing the sword fights, I kind of felt that they were a little lacking overall. I mean, but to use Darth Vader's stunt double, let's be honest, the original lightsaber battles weren't exactly true masterwork. No, they weren't. You're absolutely right. Hey, I mean, but, well, I mean, would you, I, I could say that for A New Hope, but I don't know, Empire definitely took fair. it up a notch. I think. It did. Well, it had to. It had to. And same yeah, with yeah. Uh, Return of the Jedi. It had to. But even if you look at those, even compared to like, even like I said, Princess Bride, I think sets the standard for that decade, especially. Um, I just think this one, it, it's fun because it's exciting at times, but I think they, they missed an opportunity. Okay. Fair. You know, some men today take a lot more chances, you know, and choreographers, <laughs> it's a lot more, uh, you know, to get that extra look of feeling like it's going at super speed. But I mean, I, I think it probably budget, you know, that's why we didn't see the other fights oh, absolutely. and stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's some parts where I was watching where I'm like, eh, that kind of looks like he's just lagging behind. But but I think in the most part, I mean, for that movie at that time, I, I still think it works really well. It, it highlights his camera work as well. The the like quick cutting during the, the camera work made the, it kind of made them feel a little more energetic than they would have if you really had a steady cam like the princess bride it it kept them engaging even when the fights really all weren't that exciting yeah and uh russell mccall mckay used these great lenses to get this huge you know depth of field where it almost looks like you're looking at a like kind of an hourglass or a uh, a peephole 
you know, type of thing. I loved his, his use of that. Like when you, you look inside the police station and in the, uh, in the garage and stuff, a lot of stuff from very low angles and stuff, but his depth of field in this movie is fantastic. Andrew, here's my question. Um, does the mentor role work for this movie, for this kind of movie, considering that Ramirez, uh, Sean Connery, um, at some point they're going to have to battle or they potentially will have to battle for the prize. Um, what's, what's the motivation for Ramirez to, to take Connor under his wing and, and kind of sh- explain everything that's happening to him? I, I don't I mean, I think if you think about it too hard, it really doesn't, but that's one of the things that's great about casting Connery in this role is he is one of the most engaging actors, even as much as he's hamming it up, it doesn't matter. He's engaging. So you just believe what he says. But if you really boil it down and think about it, I still I think there's some logic to it. You want to have allies. You want to get yourself further in in the game. I mean, we see this in modern game shows and stuff. You know, people still align with each other, even if they know later on they're going to have to turn. It makes sense. I mean, I, I would do it. Doing Going alone just decreases your odds of survival. That makes sense. Yeah. I like that. Well, does it kind of put him as a um, kind of an opposite to Kurgan? Because he's the one that says if Kurgan uh, is the one to um, take the prize, then he's going to turn the world to hell and all this other kind of stuff. So maybe he doesn't care so much about being the only one. I mean, if he is, if it comes down to the two of them, so be it. But he doesn't really seem to care so much anymore. It's almost like he's lived all these lives and doesn't want to be that guy. Scott, he points out, Scott, he points out once or twice uh, to Connor that the Kurgan is, is the most powerful they've ever seen. Right. Uh, Is it, is it fair to say maybe Connery uh, knows he can't beat him? I think that's right. Prepping the guy that that will, is that what Mm -hmm. you guys kind of look at it? And I think he sees something special in Connor that, he knows will be the only thing that can stop the Kurgan. He knows that he is the only one that can do it. You know, like he said, he goes, I, it's too late. I've prepared you. You know, I've prepared him for you. Okay. And he's doing it specifically for that. But I, I think what's, I think what's funny though, is one of the things he tells him, he tells him to leave Heather. And he, cause he explains how many wives he's had and how he, he's trying to spare him the heartbreak. But in the end, it really, I think it's really um, as ridiculous as it is the relationship he has with Brenda gives him a reason i think to try harder and actually defeat the kurgan mm-hmm. i think by actually get taking that chance and realizing you know i i do want to love again or whatever i think that's the edge he needed to defeat him and i think i think ramirez knew he didn't have the edge like you said but i i, I find it funny that the one thing that ramirez did tell him to do uh is actually what in, i think in the end saved him so this is one of those movies that definitely poses a lot of questions and doesn't really give you the answers. Like uh, one thing I, I think about is um, Connor McLeod asking Ramirez, where, where did we come from? Or what, what's, what's it all about? Connery has one of the, the best answers to that. What does it all mean? Question. You cannot die McLeod. Except if. <laughs> hate you. Good. That is a perfect way to start. Tell me, how did it happen, for God's sake? Why does the sun come up? Hmm? Or are the stars just pinholes in the curtain of night? Who knows? Does it work? 
Yeah. See, yeah. when you asked when you asked Dayton the uh, question, is this uh, sci-fi or fantasy or where does this fall? That's the first thing that popped into my head. Because if it was sci-fi, it would explain all this other kind of stuff, which is I think a misstep that happened with Highlander Two, yeah. trying to kind of ex, you know put midichlorians in it and explain all this. <laughs> you don't need to do that. <laughs> it's just like, well, don't worry about it. We're a race of immortals. We chop each other's heads off until there's just one left, and you get this quickening kind of absorption just that's all you need to know and just yeah. let it go and keep going so uh, it, it does there is one question i don't know i didn't really need it answered but one question that came to mind when i saw um connor die the first time and thinking about okay well sean connery's character is older than he is so is it kind of a vampire situation where the first time that you die in this immortal race with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You come back kind of locked in at that age. That's I gotta admit, I was wondering the. I was wondering that too. Yeah. That is a That's great a question. Thought. Yeah. Because um, Andrew, what, what do you, what's your take? Because we've got some of these guys are are youthful. You know, they're around Connor's age. He like his like some of his buddies. Then you got some of these other guys. Um, the guy he beheads in uh, the parking garage. Uh, Brad mm -hmm. uh, Brad pointed out some of these guys are a lot older. So does that does that does that play, Andrew? You know, that's one of those things. And there's there's a million of them in this movie that the the thought process I had is yeah, just don't question it. But I love that that description of the first time you die. I think that that makes a lot of sense. It explains it away that you don't have to think too hard, and you can just sweep that under the rug and move on to the next talking point. So I, I love that. Scott, so, I know. Uh, so well, I think I think there's kind of another. Sorry to interrupt you. I think there's another angle that seems kind of interesting. Thinking about like that question of how um, the Sean Connery character uh, does uh, Ramirez really want the prize, yeah. and it kind of makes me think of uh, Kevin Bacon's character in X Men: First Class, Sebastian Shaw, mm -hmm. where when he absorbs energy, he kind of gets younger, which is how he's been able to survive this whole time. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a certain aspect of the quickening that kind of uh, like a rejuvenating kind of thing. And if that's the case, maybe then Sean Ramirez hasn't killed anybody in a long time. And that's why he's just living. That's, he's that's not going another, after heads. That's another really good point. Um, I know they're, I know they're currently working on a remake of this. Uh, Henry Cavill is apparently attached possibly uh, Scott. If the writers are listening to this episode, <laughs> I would expect them to steal a, a lot of what you're saying because it, it sounds cool. And uh, I want to see it now. I'll put my PayPal at the end of this and you can just yeah. send me a check. <laughs> well, the thing about, yes, there are a lot of unanswerable questions in this movie, but there's a lot of information thrown at us about stuff we have to learn right away. And it, it comes at you so fast but it's very easy to pick up. Once they start saying you're mortal, this is the gathering. Okay. This is the quickening. You get a very complex story done in very simple terms where you don't have to think about it too much. You know, the goal, you know, they're immortal, you know, they can't die without having their head chopped off and that they've lived for centuries. So 
a lot of the information for such a kind of a complex fantasy sci-fi mixed together thing is still thrown in there, even though there are some questions. We're still given a lot to think about with this movie. And that's what I think works for any good fantasy or sci-fi, whichever you classify this as, is something that's going to create either a philosophical or, or something thought experiment and let you play in that space and say, okay, well, here are the rules. We're going to lay them out for you real quick. Don't worry about those. They're just here so we can have this fun thought. Mm-hmm. And, and this does that and puts it in the Scottish Highlands while they're sword fighting on top of a mountain. And so you're too busy thinking this is gorgeous to question or, or really think about what they're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something I would question, uh, haggis. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this back to you because, uh, I know you have done plenty of, uh, food challenges. Uh, have you had haggis and would you recommend it if so? I have. It's not as bad as it sounds. Um, it's still not great. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I, I've been vegetarian for about a year now, so I can I can effectively scratch that one off the list. I never have to stomach through it again. <laughs> no pun it. intended. No <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> yeah, that, for once, that one actually wasn't intended. A- Andrew, can, for for the uninitiated out there, can you can you give us a uh, an explanation of what haggis is? And you don't have to do. Uh, the, uh, the, the terrible Christopher Lambier accent, if you don't want to. I don't think I could if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is essentially uh, barley and other parts of the sheep all stuffed into the sheep's stomach. And depending on how it's prepared, either boiled, cooked, or left to ferment for a bit before you cook it. I'm wondering who came up with this in the first place. <laughs> Just kind of like, we've got all these leftovers. We've got this barley. It's not quite right for beer. What do we do with, I've got a great idea. Let's shove a hell of it into this stomach and then let it ferment for a while and then eat it. In, in most Scottish, or in my experience, most Scottish cuisine is based on a dare. I was yeah. gonna say, that, that sounds like, hey, I dare you to do this. That, that, sounds, like, uh, that sounds like fifth graders at the, uh, at the lunchroom table, you know. <laughs> what did you guys think of all of uh, Connor McLeod's women throughout his life? Does okay. he have a specific I- type, Dayton? I, well, the thing is, actually, I the one thing I really wanted to point out was I actually loved his relationship with Rachel, uh, his assistant. Yeah, um, yes. I think one of the one yeah. of the best scenes, one of the best lines in the movie is when we first meet her. Well, when we see when he first meets her back in World War II, and he has the great line to the Nazi, you know, soldier, whatever you say, Jack, you're the master race, and then guns yeah. him down. My <laughs> so God, that was so funny. Um, I love the relationship there, and you can tell there's uh, obviously it's not romantic love, but there is a very strong relationship she cares deeply about him um and the funny thing is my 16 year old self looked at her and thinking man she's hot for an old woman and then now that i'm closer to her age i'm thinking man she is actually quite hot for her age and a little bit of interesting side note um when she passed in 2005 she was actually married to the one and only wed Tilly's dennis lawson and his himself wow so, yeah. oh wow so a nice little, and then to bring it around to Star Wars again, because that's the type of person I am, the Marine, <laughs> the Marine uh, who gets stabbed in the alleyway, who's loaded for bear to, you know, go around and kill people um, is actually Rogue Two from Empire Strikes Back. The one that finds Han and uh, Luke in uh, in the wastes of Hoth. Nice. That's actually the same Oh, actor. wow. Yeah, I know, right? Dayton, I would no. not expect anyone other than you to, to find all <laughs> the Star Wars links Pretty much any movie that we do. I, I had no idea that either one of those. No, well, 
we're good. I'll keep we're, trying. We're, we're quickly going to have a segment here uh, moving forward <laughs> where Dayton links whatever we're talking about to. Uh, you know what? I, I look forward to the uh, the the children of a lesser god episode where where you uh, you explained that one with Star Wars because uh, you have to start working on that. Soon as we're done recording yeah. this, I will start looking. What you guys think of uh, Roxanne Hart, Brenda? Oh, she's she was gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit believe you know uh, how believable <laughs> is this so andrew she's working for forensics and she happens to be uh a published author on the history of sword making it it has absolutely it was shoehorned in because they needed a sex scene in the third act i i can't <laughs> find a reason for her character to exist in this movie honestly <laughs> i have to agree i mean and she, I he, he calls her out on her her stuff absolutely nothing comes of that he introduces himself and says, I'm immortal, stabs himself in front of her. And apparently that's the world's biggest turn on. And now yes. they're in love. And <laughs> it is the most confusing relationship I've ever seen. And uh, yeah. to, to Dayton's point, I wanted more of his relationship with Rachel. That was a far more interesting relationship yeah. that, that developed his character. But you don't see her boobs, so it doesn't count. Yeah, that's but true. You, <laughs> but what is one of the brilliant things about this, this movie, and specifically that too, is that they really do follow that Joseph Campbell, like, you know, kind of uh, parody. Hero's of, quest. Yeah, you've got, you know, the, the refusal to call, the mentor, you know, the, the, but you had to have the romantic relation, you know, you had to have the loss and why you can't move on. And, you know, I mean, it's all in there. And, but that's why he does kind of have to refuse Brenda at first and, you know because he knows what happened with rachel you know does does he really want to go through that again you know ramirez tried telling him he's like i will spare you this pain he's trying to do it but he you know he can't that that leads to probably my biggest uh disappointment i guess i would say not really a complaint is so much is going on in the movie i just i want more time there's so many things like that relationship yeah. i want more of or the flashback yeah. more of and it's just there's not enough time to cram it all into one film well, I don't know what year exactly they started to add the the additional footage that was actually synced with sound and stuff onto the movie. I believe the version that I watched is like the direct, you know, there's the, the stuff with like Rachel and stuff is really cut short in the theatrical cut. So actually in, in the theatrical cut there, you do not see the opening sequence that goes back and forth between Madison Square Garden and Scotland was Scotland shots were not there. Yeah. Um, the, the When we first meet Rachel, uh, when he says that line of plus, you know, it's a kind of magic was not in the theatrical release. Most of that did not show up until the 1996 DVD okay. director's cut. So that's when we actually got, which I think makes the movie better. The fact that it was yeah. cut out is stupid. Um, but yeah, all that stuff that actually I really liked uh, was put back in it for the director's cut on the DVD release. I agree. The The director's cut, I think, is the definitive version uh, mm -hmm. by, by and far. It, it's just a much... It's a much better film. But there's a lot, you know, you did have to kind of skip some stuff because, yeah, they go down the timeline of centuries and you can only fit so much, but you got to keep it moving. I, I thought they achieved that much stuff pretty well. Well, to, to Brad's point, uh, you got to keep it moving. That sensation that you guys are starting to feel right now, <laughs> that's, that's the quickening, uh, which means... It's time for the 86 breakdown. We know this isn't the best movie of 1986. Uh, I've got a question for each of you uh, to answer. So let me, let me start off with, uh, with Dayton. 
dating all the iterations that we've got Highlander. You know, you've got you've got Connor McCloud, you've got uh, Duncan McCloud on the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we know that the 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 second movie was garbage. Um, third one was kind of cool. Um, Dayton, is this the best Highlander? Out of oh, all, yeah, oh, yeah, without a yeah, doubt, right? Easily. I mean, the TV show was pretty good, but yeah, this is when you look at all of them. This is you know obviously the best version of the story. And well, and you're you're our, you're our TV guy, so uh, Dave's not with us. Uh, so this question <laughs> goes to you though. Connor McLeod, Duncan McLeod. Who's who's the better McLeod? Uh, <laughs> uh, that's hard to say. Um, that's I, why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, I know, but okay. The, I my issue is I kind of feel that um, Christopher Lambert uh, suffered in this movie from maybe a lack of experience for Russell Cahey's point of dealing with actors um, because he like his bread and butter at that point was music videos, which doesn't require a lot of acting. Um, and Christopher Lambert, first English speaking role, had a lot against him. He made a huge effort, and it was. And in the movie is entertaining. The on the TV show they had more time with the actor. They had more time to develop that character. So I don't know if I guess yeah I'm gonna still go with <laughs> Connor, just because I've seen the movie more than the TV series. Mm-hmm. So when it comes when it comes to McLeod, there there can be only one. So Satan's <laughs> yes. saying it's Connor. Wait, uh, can we stop the clock? How long did it take somebody to say that? I was just thinking about about 40 minutes. I can't can't believe none of you did it. Uh, I I said the gathering thing at the beginning. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Scott, let's talk about uh, the importance of training. Uh, My question to you, anytime you got a a mentor, uh, a trainer getting you ready, uh, the unwritten rule is they have to put you in a rowboat at some point. So (laughs) Scott, uh, my question to you is, uh, rowboat training. Who, who's better at it, uh, Ramirez or Mr. Miyagi? Um, well, Mr. Miyagi had less singing. <laughs> Is that a good thing sing. or a bad thing, though? That's a good thing because I mean, you just had a, a he was sell, spelling the word balance over and over again. That didn't really do much, and mm-hmm. I don't really think it was as much training as much as kind of approving a point you can drown. So I'd have to go, uh, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, so it is interesting, though, how many um, – I wonder if this is the first time that Connery was in that kind of mentor role. Like, thinking of, like, The Untouchables, uh, The Rock, all these other movies from here on in where he was really in that kind of mentor kind of role in movies opposite a younger character. Good good point. Uh, and just to clarify, if an old man wants to take you out on in a rowboat, Scott, you're saying you'll, you'll, you'll go with Mr. Miyagi over – yeah. Uh, Ramirez. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's because cool. there's actually something I can get out of it versus just saying like, Oh, I can drown and live. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to chop at some coral. Like, <laughs> no. okay. Uh, Andrew, uh, our resident, uh, fitness, uh, guru, uh, you have run all over the country. You've run outside the country. My question to you, uh, if you've got to be in a very romantic, uh, run with one of your besties, uh who's doing the who's doing the beach run for fun uh better is it rocky and apollo or is it uh connor and ramirez who's having more fun out there oh that's a that's a tough call i would say bromance wise rocky and apollo crushed it i mean that's that's one for the ages but the sheer glee of connor just 
sprinting on the beach. I actually have several notes just about the training montage alone. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go just run around in Scotland and then climb and, and, and run. So I think that that unbridled joy comes through the, I can feel it. I can feel it. It's just un, unbridled joy. So I think he's got to take it. But if the question is bromance, Rocky and Apollo all day. Okay. Brad, we've got, uh, we've got an amazing soundtrack on this movie by Queen. Yep. So better soundtrack, uh, better Queen soundtrack. Is it Flash Gordon or is it Highlander? And, um, I, and I, before you answer, yes, Dayton, I'm going to get your. <laughs> he looks like he I looks can see like him taking a deep explode. breath. He yeah. needs to answer this question. Dayton, I will not deny you, but Brad, you, you're, you're taking first, first crack at it. Okay. So, well, actually, thanks to the uh, Surely You Can't Be Serious guys, because I did listen to their Flash Gordon versus Highlander episode. Great episode. As I watched Highlander the other night, I, before I watched Flash Gordon to just kind of compare and contrast. And I feel like kind of those movies, especially with the music, go together. But the only way I can say that Flash Gordon loses points is because you have to hear Dale in the dialogue of some of those queen songs if you have the 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 flash gordon soundtrack you have her in there going go flash go flash if you could cut that out what's wrong with dale no no no, uh, dale's great but just that kind of stuff her cheering but i feel like with both movies this is music that is written for the film that is almost done for specific scenes in the film and when you hear those songs now, you will think of those scenes in the movie. And that's what great, you know, song selections for films do. It, it will remind you like the tiny dancer with almost famous Bohemian Rhapsody with Wayne's world. And this movie has about six different songs that work. When you hear them, you hear one year love, uh, you know, hammer to fall Prince of the universe who wants to live forever. You are immediately taken to Highlander. Okay, like so right away. So but you're going. I think Highlander works a, a little bit better. It's maybe because it's a little bit more. The songs are in a serious, more tone at times. You know, "Who Wants to Live Forever" is a beautiful, beautiful song. I mean, I the this, it kind of gives me chills sometimes to hear it. It's such a great song. Okay, Dayton. Uh, it sounds like Brad is going uh, Highlander on this question. Uh, better, better Queen soundtrack. Is it Flash Gordon or is it is it Highlander? <laughs> Um, for two reasons, I'm going to pick Flash Gordon because one, I like that movie a lot more, uh, two, I actually own the vinyl soundtrack for Flash Gordon that I bought when I was 16. Well, no, I probably would have bought it before that. So I still have my original vinyl soundtrack for the Flash Gordon movie. Um, and, but he's right. Some of the songs, the songs from, uh, Highlander definitely make you think of those movies, um, I would have loved to actually hear a full version of their version of New York, New York, but you can't find mm-hmm. it anywhere. Um, I just, I, for whatever reason, uh, as campy as Flash Gordon was, and even the music put to it at times was kind of campy, but I just, I love the songs. I love the, yeah. the drum. I mean, the, the, just even when they're getting to, uh, in, when they're just in space, I don't know, just everything they did, I thought, um, in Flash Gordon worked so well with the movie. I think some of the songs in from Highlander don't, they're not, I don't know. They just kind of take me out there. I'm thinking, oh, this is an awesome Queen song. I'm not thinking this goes well with the movie, I guess okay. is my point. So, and, and, and the thing is with counter- like Flash Gordon is that without that music, that movie is 
is not as fun at all. It's like it makes right. that movie so much fun with that music. And and as the the Flash Gordon stuff's a little bit more uppity, a little bit more, yeah. you know, a little bit more peppy. Okay, Dayton, interesting counterpoint there. Uh, let's oh, talk. Uh, although, just one thing I gotta say: the song <laughs> "The Prize" that has that dialogue from Clancy Brown kind of peppered mm-hmm. in there every once in a while. I love that song. I think it's mm-hmm. so fantastic, and I liked how they repurposed that as kind of the theme for the Highlander TV series. Right. Okay. Instead Good of just point. Princes of the Universe, they kind of rehashed that one. And I just, it's so fantastic. Big Clancy mm-hmm. Brown fan. Good point. All right. Prequel, sequel, remake. Uh, I'm going to cut this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix and match this one a little bit too. Listen, we know there's been plenty of sequels. We know they're doing a remake. So Andrew, I'm going to start with you. You're going to do a prequel to Highlander. Which storyline, you're the producer now, which storyline are you going to approve between a movie about Rachel and Connor and their relationship, a Connor movie, just, you know, one of his adventures, or a Ramirez movie where you, you learn more about him? Which one, you can have a movie, you can have a limited miniseries or you can have a movie, but those are your three options. Which storyline are you going to go with? I don't hate the idea of one about Ramirez. I think there's a lot of, there's so much gray area to play in, but I love Connor and Rachel's relationship. I would watch a a full, like a limited series, like 10, 12 episodes on that. And I would eat it up every second of it. So hands down. Okay. How about you, Dayton? Which one are you going to go with? Um, I actually kind of agree. I like uh, the idea of seeing Ramirez because he was alive for so long, uh, all the different adventures he had um a connor one just on his own too um would have been interesting but i would have just loved to see uh the relationship with rachel and uh, connor and just see um how she grows with him and because uh, be, i think it'd be more about rachel than anything else and i think she was a character that even though she wasn't on the screen very much um i liked her a lot more than most of the other characters in the movie so i really want would like to have seen more of her so i would like to see a Rachel and a Connor series. Okay. How about you, Brad? Um, I mean, if we were to do, you know, something else, I mean, the spirit of, I really like a fish out of the waters, you know, situation, you know, I like someone that doesn't belong at a certain time. You know, we talked about it on the Star Trek four. I love time travel stuff. So anytime you see a fish out of the water stuff, I think the Rachel stuff is really good, but, I think it's so good because it's so small. She's such a, a tender character. We don't see her with any flaws. I think a 10 episode stretching out of something would have maybe not make us really, you know, adore Rachel that much. But I think her presence being there for just a short amount of time makes her her death so much more heartbreaking. Well, that's that's what you okay, that's what you don't want. <laughs> what do you want? I guess. <laughs> No, I mean, I would like to see a remake of this film done with, you know, a, a talented writer, a talented director, but give me a, a, a vision that I haven't seen. You know, this first film, what makes this one so good, it's such a great cult movie. You know, it, so, it didn't have any rules. It said, all right, we're going to change a bunch of stuff up. And that's what makes great cult movies. So give it a different vision, but I still like that same kind of storyline of, someone being immortal and coming into present time okay scott hand me my one of a kind million dollar japanese sword so that i can behead brad because (laughs) i asked him the question and he told us what he didn't want and then i asked him the question again and he 
he found a way to not answer it. Brad, there can be only one. It's not going to be you, pal. <laughs> All right, Scott. Uh, we're doing the prequel. Uh, do you want to see the Rachel Connor story? Do you want to see the Ramirez adventures? Or do you want to see another Connor McLeod uh, tale throughout history? Um, I think I want the Ramirez. Okay. Uh, even though it'd be really tough to say like, Hey, you just have to follow, you know, Sean Connery's lead. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you've got somebody with one of the most complex names that he says once. And then from now on from the rest of the movie, they're just like Ramirez. Let's just cut it to Ramirez. We can't fit in all those words. Scott, yeah. but I mean, Scott, can you give us the full name of Sean Connery's character at this point? Uh, I, I, no. <laughs> okay. And I think the reason I kind of avoided that question is that I, I think I'm so just over prequels. I don't want to see the young adventures of Ramirez, you, you know, you type sir, of thing. You I'm, sir have been beheaded. You stuck. Yes. <laughs> Actually, uh, Brad, Scott, Brad brings up a good point that, that if you were to do young adventures, sort of like the young adventures of Indiana Jones style, where it's not one long narrative, but a bunch of just individual stories of Ramirez in in ancient Egypt, in feudal Japan, in, Galilee, uh, Galilee in the year zero. Like I would, I would watch that. Just little standalone, you know, short films or, or, or episodes. That's so, and what I, what I think would be interesting is if he is really that character that doesn't want the prize. Um, what leads him to that point? Like, is it sadness because of somebody he's lost? Is it because he's just tired of pursuing it that he sees the futility of the whole thing? Um, and he just kind of when he shows up, he is this. Um, He's this grab bag of different, you know, accents and clothing styles and backgrounds and whatnot. And to see how all of that kind of informs what he ultimately decides to do. Well, but I, then just make that it and just cut it off and don't try to get any more yeah. into it. Well, I, I am I am sad at the futility of this question because you guys are going off the rails every other minute <laughs> uh, and I'm going to cut it off. So this question, uh, we're moving past this question, uh, but I'm going to go with the Rachel and Connor uh, story. Because it, it plays on so many levels, so uh, that's that's our that's our prequel. Um, Andrew, uh, Nintendo Face Off, which character are you going to invite over to uh, sit down and play the original NES? And uh, more importantly, what game are you playing? So I've I've been really hesitant to say this because, to be honest, he scared the crap out of me as a kid, and he might still scare me now a little bit. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with the Kurrigan. Yeah. And I want to play, did you ever play um, Cobra Triangle? It's like a racing like car fighting game. Cobra just, Triangle? No. Yeah, it, Sounds it, like Spy Hunter. It's very similar to Spy Hunter. You didn't have gun. It was like Mario Kart before Mario Kart was a thing. Okay. Uh, I actually almost went with Spy Hunter, but that's more, I, if I'd said that, I would have said Connery because I want to play Spy Hunter with James Bond. And that just felt like cheating. Yeah, that's, that's so, it. But, but Kurrigan's just his laughing and his his driving around madly through the streets of new york i was like you know what i'll play a racing game with this guy but maybe like with some plexiglass or you know chains on him so i can i can feel a little safe in the environment i like that uh dayton uh who's your character and what game are you playing um well just because i think it'd be a lot of fun i'm gonna bring over clancy brown and we're gonna play pro wrestling ah oh, so you you nice stole, that's that's my answer too so uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> no that's I mean, <laughs> uh yeah i i have a different i have a different uh take on it but uh, well then i have to change mine because i know exactly <laughs> what yours is no 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 okay. well, brad, <laughs> brad what do you who what what's your who's your character and what are you playing 
Uh, well, I, I know what you're going to say, but I think uh, some kind of something like Contra with the Kurgan, because here's the thing about, you know, the Kurgan, he, he, he loves the queen, you know, he quotes great things like, you know, Rock of Ages. He is a stellar dresser. And, you know, I, I really do like the way he wears his hair. So, yeah, he seems like he'd be fun company. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, we, we invite over, uh, what, was, what was the name of the girl? He said Andy. she was, he was a real good time. Andy. Candy. 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 Yeah. yeah, we'll invite over Candy and we'll just say, of course yeah. you are. <laughs> uh, Scott, uh, Nintendo face-off, who, who you got and what are you playing? See, I'm going to agree with uh, Kurgan. Um, as long as he leaves the broadsword home, because he'd probably just chop me in half. Uh, but I'd probably love to play punch out with him just to hear what kind of, how much he says there can be only one after every time he he beats somebody or what kind of lines he has. Okay. That's a question. Once you behead someone, must you say there can be only one because they do it as if to say, I have to do it. It's almost like if it won't work unless I do it, it doesn't seem like it's forced. So they're just saying, Oh, the cool, there can be only one. It's like, they have to say it. Do they have to say it? Well, did anyone besides Kurgan and Connor say it? Well, they're the only ones that live. They're the only well, ones that actually chop other people's heads off. I'm just saying because Kurgan had said it several times. I, I just assume that's Connor taking his catchphrase and, and kind of coming to terms like, yeah, there can be only one and I, it's me. But does Connor say that in the garage when he chops I was just about to ask. Uh, no, he, 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 he does not. Okay, does not. well, then that answers my question. Okay. So... Uh, and for me to answer this question, uh, you guys, everyone is sitting down with Clancy Brown. I'm actually, I'm going to play pro wrestling uh, like Dayton, but I'm playing with, uh, with Connor McLeod because obviously if he's got tickets to AWA at Madison Square Garden to see the fabulous Freebirds, he's a wrestling fan. So uh, me and him are going to, we're going to sit back and we're going we're to play pro wrestling. Uh, see, well, I, think, I actually, I think that is not what I thought you were going to say I, so that's why it changed mine i originally wanted to play pro wrestling with the fabulous thunderbirds and that's what i nice. thought you were going to say i was like i know exactly what he's going to do now well first, like, off, hold totally on. first off they're the fabulous free birds not the thunderbirds all right and they're not in pro wrestling oh my lord oh. all right listen uh guys this uh this has been an excellent uh, time. Uh, we've had a lot of fun talking about Highlander. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for uh, for gathering tonight and uh, and uh, and being on this uh, episode. Uh, as for uh, you guys out there listening, uh, we are here every Tuesday. Uh, new releases dropping every Tuesday morning. We got 1986 episodes every other week. Uh, you can check us out on a film by po uh, podcast at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of us, you can check out the website, uh, a film by podcast.com. And we also have the Facebook page uh, at a film by uh, also on Twitter uh, at a film by. So uh, please reach out. We are always taking your suggestions. We're always taking your feedback. Uh, definitely love hearing from you. Okay, guys. Well, listen, uh, thanks again for uh, being on this episode. Had a lot of fun. Really appreciate you all uh, sitting down and, and talking about this one. Thank yeah, you. thanks Thank for you. having us on. Happy to be here. My pleasure.